take a seat, you play it, you grow it, dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokets and non-token lovers of liberty. It is Friday, September 2nd, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. All right, we made it to the weekend. So glad to have you here from beautiful, rainy Potland, Oregon. It is certainly turning into fall here in Potland. It rain has been raining all day, cool temperatures, and uh, just gray as hell. It's getting back to the way we know and love it, isn't it? <laughs> We got all sorts of stuff to talk about on today's show. Uh, most especially, we are going to go not into radical rant mode, not into epic rant mode, but we're going to go into full-scale mega rant mode. That's right. Today on the show, from half past all the way through the end of hour two, I'm going to be giving you the epic Mega Rant of Stoners Against Legalization 2016. It's a three-part series I've posted up on WeedNews.co, and I'm going to give you my take on the phenomenon that I've been covering since 2010, since uh, California's Prop 19, and uh, the first time we saw an organized group of marijuana consumers fighting with the cops to keep marijuana illegal. And uh, you know how I feel about that. It's not uh, one of my favorite things. It's, it's bad enough. We have to deal with cops and rehabs and drug testers and prison guards and all of these pharmaceutical and alcohol interests that want to keep us criminal for profit. At least you can understand that because they're not on our side. But to have our own people, to have our own cannabis consumers fighting with them to keep us illegal uh, and oftentimes for the same reason, for profit, is just something I cannot abide. And so we'll give you the full rundown. We're going to talk about uh, California 2010. We'll talk about Washington 2012. We'll talk about uh, Oregon 2014, Ohio 2015, and what's going on in the states this year, California, Arizona, Nevada, Massachusetts, and Maine that will be voting on legalization this November. But we've got our regular segments as well coming up on the show in Behind the Headlines. Uh, I took a look at these uh, medical websites and how they were uh, were reporting on these latest findings from the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, and it's very interesting how much they differ from the way the mainstream media reported it. So we'll take a look at that, the cannabis focus. Uh, in drug war data mining, uh, I took a deeper look at those National Survey on Drug Use and Health numbers to find out, are more people smoking pot lately? And if so, who are they? So we'll bring you those numbers in the drug war data mines. Of course, all of that comes after the Cannabis Radio News, and in our headlines today, we've got a story coming to you from uh, Springfield, Illinois, where the Illinois Supreme Court has uh, is filled out, uh, fleshed out what the rules are on the new decriminalization law. We'll also uh, give you the update on pot lounges in Denver, Colorado, whether they will be possible or not. We've got another fine for fraud happening out here in Oregon in the Green Rush to tell you about. We've got some accounting data out of Miami-Dade County that'll tell us just how much medical marijuana may contribute to the economy there in Miami-Dade. 
We've also got hemp CBD update for you and overseas in Denmark, a terrible shooting that's happened in the free town of Christiana. We'll tell you all about that in the news. That's all coming up on the Russ Belleville Show. Also want to remind you, coming up on Tuesday, November 8th, we've got our Cannabis Radio News coverage, the Russ Belleville Show coverage of Marijuana Election Night 2016. We're setting up some of the infrastructure already. We're getting, uh, we're even making inquiries to the mainstream media for them to use us as their marijuana vote news source. So we'll tell you how that works out. The Cannabis Radio News is next. Stay tuned. I'm Radical Russ. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Put the seeds in the board, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him, think that's the point. Download and play while you like yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Camping is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Camping. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Your grapefruits are no match for my Trump Towers. Okay, maybe you're high, too. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, September 2nd, 2016. Springfield, Illinois. 
the Illinois Supreme Court has clarified new rules for the state's decriminalization law. The state set the fine for possession of up to 10 grams of marijuana and paraphernalia at $120. Prior to decriminalization, that possession was a Class B misdemeanor with a possible six months in jail, while the paraphernalia was a Class A misdemeanor with a possible year in jail. Also included in the rules is authority for court clerks to expunge the records of those who pay their fines, which may be handled by mail without an appearance in court. Illinois is now the 21st state to have decriminalized possession of personal amounts of marijuana. Denver, Colorado. Denver voters will have the opportunity to vote on a ballot measure this November that would allow adults to consume cannabis in regulated, neighborhood-approved consumption spaces. The Denver Elections Division notified proponents Thursday that the petition they submitted on August 12th included more than enough valid signatures of city voters to qualify for the ballot. 4,726 valid signatures were required, and Denver's Neighborhood-Supported Cannabis Consumption Committee collected more than 12,000 total signatures in just 30 days. More than 100 Denver businesses have expressed their support for the initiative, including coffee shops, restaurants, and entertainment venues, and proponents plan to continue securing endorsements from area businesses. The campaign will also be reaching out to all Denver-registered neighborhood organizations and business improvement districts in an effort to ensure all stakeholders have a voice in the process. The initiative would establish the City of Denver Cannabis Consumption Pilot Program, which would create safe, supervised consumption spaces so that adult cannabis consumers can have access to traditional social environments without being segregated from mainstream society. Salem, Oregon. The Oregon Department of Consumer and Business Services has issued a $60,000 fine relating to a marijuana-related securities fraud. The Oregonian reports that Todd C. Grange created a sham business called THC Pharmaceuticals and then used it to bilk a Colorado investor out of about $80,000. Grange has a previous conviction for theft in Washington State. This is the second marijuana-related fraud case for which the state has issued fines. In July, the state fined Tisha Seiler $40,000 for false claims she made regarding awarding of state dispensary licenses. Seiler runs the Canacea Dispensary in Northeast Portland, but she had claimed to have state approval for others. Seiler has appealed the ruling. Miami, Florida. According to newly released estimates, Miami-Dade County in Florida could reap as much as $124 million annually in medical marijuana sales. Miami New Times reports that the estimates come from a request made by Miami-Dade Commissioner Dennis Moss back in May of 2014. The figures only account for the medical marijuana laws currently in effect in Florida. Only low-THC cannabidiol oil was made legal by Florida's legislature in 2014. High-THC oil was added to the law in 2015 for patients with terminal illnesses. The county also calculates that medical marijuana will create 125 direct jobs, 75 indirect jobs, and 102 construction-related jobs. Floridians will be voting on Question 2 this November, which would create a far more expansive medical marijuana program, generating much more revenue and many more jobs. Portland, Oregon. After years of trying to separate the public's perception of industrial hemp from medical and social uses of cannabis, farmers in Oregon are discovering that a medical use of hemp is boosting their profits. The Oregonian reports that 77 farmers are licensed to grow hemp in Oregon, and they are finding that the extracting of CBD oil from their plants is a much better return on their investment than converting the hemp to food, fuel, or fiber products. Christiana, Denmark. 
The BBC reports that two police officers were shot Wednesday in the semi-autonomous region of Christiana in the city of Copenhagen, Denmark, in a gun battle with drug dealers, leading to residents tearing down their cannabis markets. Christiana was founded 45 years ago by squatters and has become a bohemian neighborhood that largely governs itself. Personal use of cannabis and hash has been mostly tolerated, but residents are wary of the increasing presence of organized drug gangs in their midst. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, September 2nd, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. The cannabis industry is growing, business is booming, and as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. The Russ Belleville Show. Chat is for friends 18 and older. We expect our chat to be civil, mature, and free from excessive profanity. If you don't like these rules, there are approximately 6 billion other chat rooms with lower standards that you can visit. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, I want to take a look at how medical websites are reporting on the latest information uh, that has come from the National Survey on Drug Use and Health. There was a report out by the medical journal The Lancet Psychiatry, and they took a look at what has happened since 2002 with reported pot use. And if you're reading the medical sites, uh, you'd think the sky is falling. First, we go to MedPage today. Their headline, pot use up as perceived risk falls. And here's the, the lead paragraph. 
More people in the U.S. are using marijuana as fewer perceive the drug to be harmful, researchers found. Marijuana use rose from 10.4% in 2002 to 13.3% in 2014. At the same time, the proportion of people who perceived great risk of harm from smoking pot once or twice a week fell from about 50% to 33%. Got that? You see, we went and legalized the marijuana and we went from one half of the people to only one third that are scared of it. And then more people went ahead and smoked it, especially those wake-and-bake potheads. As they continue saying, the number of users on a daily or near-daily basis more than doubled during the study period, from an estimated 3.9 million in 2002 to 8.4 million in 2014. Now, I shouldn't just dismiss MedPage today because the article was written by Chuck Green, who disclosed a financial relationship with the pharmaceutical giant Pfizer. That probably has nothing to do with it. How about we look at another medical website? Out on Medscape, Megan Brooks writes the headline, More U.S. Adults Using Marijuana as Attitudes Change. And the lead is, With growing legal and social acceptance of marijuana, an increasing number of U.S. adults are using it, and using it more often, new research shows. I went over to Medical News Today and found the headline, Marijuana use rising as more people think it is safe. And the lead is, the perception of marijuana use as a harmful drug has reduced among American adults, leading to an increase in its use, according to new research published in The Lancet Psychiatry. All right, so three different websites that have made the point that people think marijuana use is less risky and marijuana use has gone up. Oh no, more people are using it. They don't think it's risky anymore. Here's the funny thing about the research. I I went and looked it up because you know me. I looked up the research in the Lancet Psychiatry. It wasn't focused on whether more people were using marijuana. It focused on whether or not there's been an increase in problem marijuana use since legalization. Here's the study summary. The study of marijuana use disorders is urgently needed because of increasing marijuana legalization in multiple jurisdictions, the effect of marijuana use on future risk of psychiatric disorders, and the deleterious effects of marijuana exposure. Thus, understanding trends of marijuana use and use disorders and examining factors that might drive these trends, for example, perceptions of harm from marijuana use, is essential. So what the data showed is that despite this increase in marijuana use, the rate of people exhibiting marijuana use disorders has remained virtually the same since 2002. Now, while these medical sites didn't get to it very soon, Christopher Ingraham at the Washington Post, he noted it with his headline, more people are using marijuana, but fewer people are abusing it. Now, to be fair, the three medical websites I just talked about did mention the part about there being a, you know, a, a, a stalemate there on the marijuana use disorders, but they didn't get around to it till paragraph nine, paragraph six, and paragraph four. They all lead with, oh my God, more people using pot because they think it's less risky, which wasn't the subject of the study. And even then, when they bother to mention that, these sites are downplaying it. They, they are trying to downplay it by suggesting that since we've got so many new marijuana smokers, the new marijuana smokers won't have as many problems. So they're, they're bringing down the curve, if you will, which is a dumb argument to make if you're trying to say legalization is going to increase problem use. <laughs> you just said that more of these users are new and don't have problems. 
The other, other thing they're trying to say is, well, this doesn't include homeless people in the survey, and they're more likely uh, to be problem users. Right. Okay. Well, look, nobody should be surprised that more people are smoking pot and think that it's less risky. When we grew up, Ronald Reagan was telling us it was as bad as an A-bomb blast on Bikini Island. So the fact that we know it's medicine now is going to lead more people to want to use it and to think that it's less risky. The fact that there's less marijuana use disorders, even with potent pot, that's the story. Beer, beer. (laughs) All right. Well, happy 420 to Sweetgrass, Montana. I looked them up today. I thought that was a pretty... Pretty cool name for a town. It's up there on the uh, Canadian border. Sweetgrass, 420. I think it all goes together. When we come back, we'll do some drug war data mining and take a look at those numbers of the National Survey on Drug Use and Health. If pot smoking's going up, who's doing it? We'll find out. Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Boober way. The Tommy Chong Show on Cannabis Radio. You got me running. You got me hiding. Run, hide, and hide, run any way you won't let her roll. Yeah. Shut up and do a podcast as I want you to do. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. 
Well, as we were discussing in the last segment, uh, the media has been reporting on these numbers from the National Survey on Drug Use and Health and uh, framing the reporting on the uh, on the assumption here that more people are smoking pot. And my God, that's a bad thing. Well, of course, we know that not to be true. And I want to talk a little bit about this figure of more people smoking pot, because it turns out it's mostly the right people that we want smoking pot. First, let's get to the basics. The National Survey on Drug Use and Health is a survey that's been run by the government in various incarnations since the late 1970s. It's had a lot of changes in definition and data gathering, so uh, its most current form is as of 2002. That's why you're finding a lot of these reports going back to 2002, because before that, it was the National Household Survey on Drug Abuse. It was a different kind of survey. So we do. if you're closest apples to apples, you go 2002 and on. Now, one thing we know from the data is that more people are admitting to their regular use of cannabis. Sometimes websites report this as more people are smoking pot, but in truth, all we can really guarantee is more people say they're smoking pot when asked by an anonymous pollster from the federal government about their illegal habits. So they could have been smoking all this time and just keeping it quiet. But the basic numbers we get are these. Uh, For all U.S. tokers, age 12 and older. In 2002, it was about 6% of Americans toking monthly. By 2008, 2009, which is kind of that benchmark year, they say, from when dispensaries started really kicking into gear, uh, it got up to about 6.5%. The latest figures, 2013 to 2014, show nearly 8% admitting to monthly marijuana use. So since 2002, that's a relative increase of over a quarter, like uh, 28%. But the thing is, using this data this way kind of mistakes, kind of covers up what's going on. Another way that they'll look at this is they'll take the state-by-state data for all tokers age 12 and older. And what they find is that Colorado and Washington have the greatest increases since 2002. Colorado's up 75%, uh, Washington's up 72% in monthly toking by people 12 and older. But oddly enough, in that top 10 list, Georgia and Utah also show up. Georgia was fourth with an increase of 57%. Utah was 10th with an increase of 39.5%, interestingly enough. And when you take a look at all of the states, there's only two states in the United States that have lower pot smoking numbers now than they did in 2002. And that's Nebraska and South Dakota. So people almost everywhere in America are smoking pot more often than they did a decade ago. But is this a bad thing? See, again, the problem is when you report on these numbers for people age 12 and older, it conceals the fact that legalization is leading to far more adults smoking pot than teenagers. Look at the top five states with the greatest increases in the teenage group, 12 to 17, finds that those top 10 since 2002 were all legalized states or California, which, of course, has uh, exceptionally easy access. But if you shift the focus to teen use since legalization occurred, something interesting happens. Colorado and California still show up in the top five, but the top 10 increases are dominated by prohibition states. Legalized states saw an average year-to-year increase of 6.68%. Prohibition states saw an average increase of 0.87%, and 
And medical marijuana states actually saw a decrease overall of 1.95% over the past year. The average year-to-year increase in monthly teen pot smoking across the country was about 1%. Meanwhile, among the young adults aged 18 to 25, since 2002, we see Colorado with the greatest increase at 44.15%. But again, half the states in the top 10 are prohibition states, with Georgia second to Colorado. And again, if we shift our focus to just what's happened in the past year, Colorado and Washington aren't even the top 10 with the greatest increases for people college age, 18 to 25. Kansas is actually number four on the list. Only nine states saw an increase in past year monthly toking rates among those young adults, and none of those states were legalized states. Colorado actually had a 2% decline, and Washington state had an 11.5% decline. But when we take a look at the ages 26 and older, we see Washington and Colorado with rates that have more than doubled since 2002. And Utah and Georgia almost doubled. Looking at the past year, though, Colorado and Washington don't even make the top five. So basically what we find is, yes, there are more young people smoking marijuana, but the rate of their increase is so much slower than the rate of the increase of the uh, adult cannabis consumers. Since 2002 nationwide, teen smoking is down 10%. College-age toking is up 12.5%. But for people over the age of 26, since 2002, pot smoking is up 52%. So this idea that we have been liberalizing our marijuana laws by passing medical marijuana, by passing legalization, and that it would send the wrong message to kids, well, the jury's out on that one. But we can say that the right message has been gotten to the adults, and that is with legal access and legal status, they're more likely to use and admit their use of marijuana. All right, we're going to take a break and get ourselves ready for the upcoming Stoners Against Legalization 2016 Mega Rant. Live from Potland, Oregon. We'll be right back after these sponsor messages. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, (laughs) more flavor. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. 
Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. You're going to find really wonderful, well-meaning, well-spoken people, and then people that are just batshit crazy. Okay, maybe you're high, too. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. This 2016 election is the most pivotal election in marijuana reform history. A record nine states will be voting on reform measures. Florida, Arkansas, North Dakota, and Montana will be voting for medical marijuana measures. Most significantly, California, Arizona, Nevada, Massachusetts, and Maine will be voting for adult marijuana legalization. Well, except for that diehard group of marijuana activists who will be voting along with the cops, rehabs, drug testers, prison guards, and other opponents of marijuana legalization to defeat these measures, I call them stoners against legalization. This is the fifth election cycle where this phenomenon has reared its ugly head. It's a combination of a few factors. One of them is I gots mine. The people and industries in states with medical marijuana fearing the loss of their market share. Medical marijuana, especially in California, creates the perfect equilibrium for growers and sellers, where marijuana is prohibited enough to remain expensive, but legal enough to avoid prison. Another is... It's a trap. The paranoid who believe that legalization is actually a way to manufacture more marijuana arrests. Somehow, when everyone is legal to carry an ounce and grow a few plants, cops will bust more people for over an ounce and too many plants. Or driving stoned. Or for public toking. And often, they will point to existing crimes that are duplicated in the legalization measure as if they are new additions to the law. For the purists... The point is, it's not true legalization. This is the idea that we should reject some measure of marijuana liberty because there will still exist some criminal laws on marijuana. For some, legalization only really happens when it's as legal as alcohol. No purchase limits, for instance. For the truly pure, legalization doesn't happen until we treat it like tomatoes. Those people I like to call tilters. Then for some, the problem is, what about the patients? The somewhat legitimate fear that wholesale changes in the way we handle marijuana 
are going to upset the ability for patients to acquire marijuana in the amount and frequency they need. Nowhere are stoners against legalization more vocal than in California. It gave birth to the movement in 2010, culminating in a no on Prop 19 demonstration in front of Oaksterdam on Election Day. Their primary concern was that Prop 19 was a scheme cooked up by Richard Lee to enrich his Oakland marijuana empire, a monopoly grab that would hike the price of pot and leave others out in the cold. They also complained that the personal grow limits of a 5 by 5 garden were a trap because nobody could grow in that small a canopy, so cops would constantly be busting people for overgrowing. Never mind that Richard Lee, a wheelchair-bound paraplegic, had come up from the grassroots and helped supply medical marijuana to thousands of patients. Never mind that his Oaksterdam University contributed a wealth of knowledge that helped foster the top growers in the nation. Never mind that Lee bet almost his entire fortune by putting $1.5 million into the campaign. Nope. To stoners against legalization, Richard Lee was an enemy as reviled as any narcotics cop. The no on Prop 19 people told us it wasn't true legalization. They told us it's a trap designed to help cops arrest tokers. The truth was they had a case of I got's mine, evidenced by the drubbing Prop 19 took in the Emerald Triangle, the commercial marijuana growing counties in California. The stoners against legalization told us that a far better chance at legalization would come around in 2012. Well, now it's 2016. And the far better chance at legalization has finally arrived, only four years late. But the stoners against legalization are out again with virtually the same dire predictions as 2010. Grabbing some ink these days is stoner against legalization Steve Cubby. He insists that Prop 64, quote, does not legalize marijuana, end quote. Despite it clearly legalizing the possession of an ounce, the home production of six plants, the possession of the harvest, the sharing of marijuana with other adults, the purchase of marijuana from stores, and potentially the use of marijuana at private clubs. Cubby complains that Prop 64 creates tougher punishments for people who possess more than an ounce. That's just not true, as the current punishment for possession of an over an ounce is a misdemeanor with six months, which becomes a felony with 16 months to three years if you have intent to deliver. Under Prop 64, the possession penalty is the same, and the intent to deliver penalty drops from a felony to a misdemeanor. In fact, every penalty for marijuana violations under Prop 64 is equal to or less than the current punishment, except one, smoking pot where tobacco is banned, as in a no-smoking zone, rises from a $100 to a $250 fine. Now, there is one issue I have a problem with in Prop 64. And that's the addition of a 15% excise tax on marijuana, as well as a $9.25 per ounce harvest tax. And that must be paid by recreational and medical consumers alike. Adding 15% plus $9.25 to a $300 ounce adds about $55 to the cost of that ounce for a patient. However, it's still not a deal breaker for me. Because the resulting economy of scale and competition that we will evolve in the cultivation space will drop the price so low that even with additional taxation, marijuana will be far cheaper in a couple of years than it is today. Among Washington State's stoners against legalization in 2012, 
One of the dire predictions was that marijuana was going to end up costing $600 an ounce. And for a brief time, those kind of prices were realized, as there were too few retailers and too little supply, and that all culminated in $30 grams. But now, as the supply side has worked itself out, we're finding the average retail price for a gram of marijuana is below $10, and that's with the state's highest in the nation 37% excise tax and state and local sales taxes ranging from 6 to 9%. If you're buying at the ounce level, you can find deals for less than 50 bucks. As this recreational market expands in California, it has to compete with the rest of the West Coast market that has a four- and two-year head start, Washington and Oregon, respectively. If the grow regs and taxes become too onerous in the Emerald Triangle, those growers will move to Southern Oregon. If the prices get too high in Portland, consumers will cross the river into Vancouver, Washington. If recreational pot is too much of a hassle and expense, Californians will just keep renewing their medical recommendations. I think the price of marijuana in California could drop to as low as $150 an ounce after the passage of Prop 64 and the time that it takes to get commercial operations growing. Then, when California in 2020 opens up the mega-grow licenses, the prices will drop even further. Even if the ounce price with tax only drops to 250 bucks, it's still cheaper than the current menu at Oakland's Harborside Health Center. All right, we'll take a break and continue this rant. Part two, what, the Washington debacle. Why what happened with Washington State is no model of prediction for what may happen in California when we return. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. From dabs to chibas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. My guests say Razzy Berry. We're talking about nature, naturopathic medicine, as well as the concept of prevention and preventing disease. Empower people to live a naturopathic lifestyle. Get to know your body, understand its rhythms, remove toxins, and use natural alternatives whenever possible. 90 to 95% of cancers are due to environment and lifestyle risk factors. That's a huge number. That means that cancer is preventable. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. 
new beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it, and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Californians defeated Prop 19 in 2010, thanks in some measure to the Stoners Against Legalization, who claimed it wasn't true legalization, but merely a scheme to enrich Oakland marijuana heavyweights and a conspiracy to manufacture even more marijuana arrests. In 2012, a then-record three states stepped up to try marijuana legalization, Colorado, Washington, and Oregon. And once again, the Stoners Against Legalization stood up with cops, rehabs, drug testers, and prison guards to oppose the measure. Oregon mostly managed to avoid opposition to its Measure 80 among the cannabis community. There was some grousing about minor details, but... Generally, the community was happy with the measure. That's because Measure 80 was the continuation of the Oregon Cannabis Tax Act that had been perennially proposed by a local medical marijuana clinic tycoon, and it was extremely generous and lax in its regulation of commercial cannabis. It was also the only one of the three initiatives that year to lose at the ballot. While Colorado and Washington both won their elections with 55% of the vote, Oregon lost its election with only 46.5%. Oregon's measure was the closest yet to the true legalization that stoners against legalization are always yammering about, but the lesson of its electoral defeat is lost on them. Colorado had a bit more noise from the stoners against legalization, but it was largely confined to Facebook among the tilters, the treat-it-like-tomatoes people, who have little effect or influence on the debate. Nobody living in reality believes there's any shot in hell at getting a majority of voters to treat a mind-altering substance like we would a common backyard garden vegetable. But Washington State? That's where stoners against legalization took the next step and became an actual organized opposition campaign. As Washington State pursued its legalization plan, Initiative 502, There arose an opposition campaign called No on I-502, funded by some medical marijuana providers. For the remainder of the I-502 campaign, the blue t-shirt clad I-502 supporters, often led by PBS travel celebrity Rick Steves, would be hounded by the red t-shirt clad I-502 opponents. Without much funding or events of their own to promote, No on I-502 was left to just show up at the Yes on I-502 events, heckle their speakers, and try to block their Yes signs with No signs. Their tactics backfired, and I-502 passed with a strong majority. The general public was not amused by their rude interruptions. 
Many voters who had grown weary of the liberties taken by medical marijuana supporters figured that if those people were so virulently against I-502, it must be something good. Many of the scary predictions made by No on I-502 failed to materialize. They warned that marijuana would end up costing $600 an ounce. While some initial problems with supply did lead to high prices, there now exists in Washington some of the lowest marijuana prices in the nation, below $10 a gram retail and below $3 a gram wholesale. They warned that the new 5 nanogram per se DUID, the Driving Under the Influence of Drugs statute, would mean that possession arrests would just be replaced by DUID arrests. By 2014, not only did possession arrests drop from a few thousand to a few dozen, since over an ounce is still illegal, but overall DUI arrests dropped 18%. Washington State Patrol does show that in 2014, there were over 6,000 DUIs sent to the lab, with 28% coming back hot for THC, or over 1,700 positives. But of those, only 44% were above 5 nanograms, or 773 that got per se DUID convictions. That means 983 of the THC positives were under the limit and not a DUID. Compare that to pre-legalization in 2012. There were about 5,300 DUIs sent to the lab that year, with 18.6% coming back hot for THC, or 985 THC positives. Every one of those 985 defendants were subject to a DUID charge since there was no under-the-limit number back then. The per se DUID statute is still unscientific and arbitrary, but it hasn't led to dramatically more tokers getting DUID convictions. The scariest prediction from no on I-502 was that passing I-502 would mean the end of medical marijuana. And indeed, medical marijuana has undergone some drastic changes in Washington state. But blaming the demise of Washington medical marijuana on I-502 is like invading Iraq over 9-11. It's targeting the wrong enemy. The no on I-502 people are now the ones loudly ringing the bell in California to rally opposition to Prop 64, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, that would legalize marijuana in the Golden State. We told everybody I-502 would destroy medical marijuana, and it did, goes the cry. Don't make the same mistake we made by passing Prop 64. But holding Washington State up as an example of what could happen if you pass legalization is like holding up Charlie Sheen as an example of what could happen if you tried acting. Washington State has had one of the most dysfunctional medical marijuana programs in America since the beginning. It originally had no possession or cultivation limits. Instead, just a limit of a 60-day supply. Every grower, patient, and sheriff decided what exactly that was, leading to huge farms and lots of -of out-of-state diversion of cannabis. Eventually, they held hearings to decide what a 60-day supply would be, with advocates initially calling for 4.5 pounds of cannabis. That got whittled down by the legislature to 1.5 pounds and 15 plants. Washington also had no medical marijuana registry. Your qualification for medical marijuana there had no state oversight. It was merely your doctor's signature on a piece of paper. Soon, the power to recommend medical marijuana was extended to naturopaths and nurse practitioners. This, of course, led to younger and healthier people getting their medical marijuana recs, culminating in a news expose of a tent at the Seattle Hemp Fest where young men were lined up to pay 40 bucks for their medical marijuana letter 
before they gathered to smoke pot at the main stage for the Cottonmouth Kings concert. Most problematic is that there were no provisions for dispensaries, but there was an allowance for someone to be a, quote, caregiver for one patient at a time, end quote. That was intended to allow someone to care for a sick friend or a relative. But that soon evolved into storefronts, supplied by those huge 60-day supply farms, staffed by clerks tending glass cabinets stocked with copious amounts of cannabis, who were playing caregivers to the customers, lined up to be one patient at a time. Seriously, the clerk would have the next patient in line sign a form saying the clerk was their caregiver, sell the patient some buds, then sign off that the clerk was no longer the caregiver so that the next person in line could be. So as I-502 passed, it put a well-regulated, inspected, taxed system of recreational cannabis alongside an unregulated, uninspected, untaxed system of medical marijuana. This led to the legislature crafting Senate Bill 5052, which has ended the practice of unlicensed storefront dispensaries, created a voluntary patient registry, and reduced possession limits to just six plants and three ounces. For the California voter, the tale of Washington state may be frightening. Just like Washington, California has seen its share of unregulated medical marijuana shenanigans. But unlike Washington, California's legislature has dealt with the regulatory problems before moving on to legalization. Though the passage of recent pass through the recent passage of laws that finally provide statewide medical marijuana consistency. The no on I-502 people misdirect their anger at the passage of legalization when it was the loosely regulated medical marijuana system itself that brought on the attention of the legislature. There are two examples that make this abundantly clear. The negative example is Montana. There, they had a loosely regulated medical marijuana system too that led to the expansion of unauthorized storefront dispensaries, easily obtained medical marijuana recommendations by healthy people, and painfully obvious out-of-state diversion. So in 2011, their legislature called for a complete repeal of medical marijuana, only to be saved by the governor's veto. In the wake of the veto, they passed a bill far more detrimental than Washington's SB 5052. Montana's bill explicitly ended the dispensaries by allowing caregivers only three patients max. They ended the loose recommendations by auditing any doctor who made more than 25 of them per year. After a failed veto referendum in 2012 and numerous court battles, those restrictions went into effect on Wednesday. But they didn't legalize marijuana in Montana, though. It was the legislature fed up with commercial medical marijuana operators flouting the law. The same fate awaited Washington's medical marijuana, as their legislator was already concocting the policies that would eventually become SB 5052. Now, the positive example is Oregon. There, they had a well-regulated medical marijuana system with a mandatory patient registry. Possession and plant counts were clearly defined, starting at one ounce and three mature plants. Only doctors could write recommendations, and the state required review of patients' medical records to determine a legitimate claim for medical use. Oregon's operators, for the most part, complied with medical marijuana regulations. Where difficulties arose, such as possession limits being too low, activists educated lawmakers to understand the needs of patients, and legislators then passed larger allowances of 1.5 pounds and two dozen plants. 
When some actors took advantage of those greater limits and started forming unauthorized dispensaries based on the caregiver loophole, the best operators invited lawmakers in for tours to see how a well-regulated set of safe medical marijuana access points could function. Through more negotiation with activists, the legislature passed a dispensary law in 2013. They did legalize marijuana in Oregon, but observers agree that the state has done a far better job integrating medical marijuana into the new system. The legislature did make some bad decisions, like allowing the eastern half of the state to opt out of both medical and recreational businesses without a public vote. They tackled some of the worst abuses of medical growers by setting caps on total plants per property, but even then kept those caps at four dozen plants in non-residential areas and a dozen in residential areas. So we have Washington State medical marijuana, which had much in common with both Montana and Oregon, suffering a fate more like non-legalized Montana than legalized Oregon. The lesson for California isn't in Washington, where medical marijuana continued as an unregulated mess as legalization overtook it. The lesson for California is that it did the right thing, like Oregon did, in getting its medical marijuana loopholes closed up before moving on to passing marijuana legalization. Now, there's a bit of an update on this piece as I received some comments after I posted it from Dominic Corva, who's a great activist up there in Washington State. He wanted to point out that the legislature did uh, try to address these uh, medical marijuana problems in Washington State. They had passed a comprehensive bill to create dispensaries that was then line item vetoed by then Washington Governor Christine Gregoire. She was afraid of all the threats from the federal government that if the state was to allow people or was to sanction uh, such dispensaries that she'd be creating a, a situation where state employees would have to violate federal law. As we found in the other states that have legalized these dispensaries, those threats were empty threats, but they did lead to there not being any sort of solution for the unregulated dispensaries. Later, uh, a couple years later, there was a bill from Senator Ann Rivers to also try to uh, fix this problem. But there were revenue issues where the uh, Washington legislature could not decide who or what or how was going to pay for the different parts of regulating these systems. So while there was a dysfunctionality to be blamed in Washington state with its medical marijuana program, we also have to look at the dysfunctionality of its legislature and its inability uh, to come to any sort of uh, regulatory uh, uh, scheme to handle Washington state before I-502 managed to pass and legalize. This is a kind of a shot across the bow, if you will, to other states where legalization is likely to be on the ballot soon, if not in this 2016 election, for the states that are moving forward, it would be a good idea to get your medical marijuana in order before you start trying to uh, pass legalization. And as far as I'm concerned, for a lot of the states, it'd be a better idea to just go straight to legalization and bypass medical marijuana altogether. I'm tired of us being separated by our health conditions. I like the days when we were all pot smokers and we all fought for each other. Let's get back to that, can we? That's all the time we got for Hour 1, but stay tuned. Hour 2 is next. We'll wrap up this mega rant with uh, a look at the other states, the four states where Marijuana Policy Project 
has legalization on the ballot? And what have the stoners against legalization been doing in those states? For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ, live from Potland, Oregon. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tell. I am here. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Poplin, Oregon, at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and and the, the next thing you know, they got ten years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. It's hour two, Toker Talk Radio. It's Friday. It's raining, and I got a joint lit. I'm taking it easy. Woo! Glad we made it to the weekend. Thanks for being here. I was on the uh, conference call earlier today with the folks at Cannabis Radio. We are putting together an amazing night for Marijuana Election Night 2016, I'm telling you. The plan right now is to have me in California at the uh, Prop 64 election headquarters uh, and to have an engineering team with me, right? Like to have people running the computers and the mics and all that stuff. And all I got to do is just do the show. Amazing. Actually have an intern that will be running the Skype connection because we'll have connections probably like, well, I guess it's going to have to be eight, nine, ten connections that we're going to have to have because we're going to have a reporter at the uh, headquarters, at the election headquarters, the campaign headquarters. We're going to have a reporter at every one of them in each of the states. Crossing my fingers because, freak, I don't know how I'm going to find North Dakota. But (laughs) we're going to have someone, that's my goal, (laughs) is to have someone in all of the campaign headquarters for the marijuana votes to give us the live election results as they come down. So 
It's going to be an exciting night. And if if the history is any guide, when I did this in 2012, the last big election night that I did in 2012, uh, we had like 5,000 uh, peak live listeners. We had 50,000 listeners over the entire uh, broadcast. And those numbers are mighty small compared to what I think we're going to get out of this 2016. Because, I, you know me, I've always been a one-man band. I've been always doing this by myself, not much promotion, not much advertising. Now we got the cannabis radio people who are pushing this, not just to the marijuana outlets, like, you know, to have these marijuana outlets relying on us and reporting on us, but to mainstream news outlets and actually allowing them uh, to tap into our feed for updates. So I may be giving live updates to some mainstream news outlets as well. We shall see. We've got all those state votes to cover the four states voting on medical, the five states voting on legal, but also. Lots of local votes in Denver. They're going to have that initiative for pot lounges that we're going to have to report on. I'm sure that in various Colorado cities, there's going to be tax measures or bans. Same thing in Oregon. We got a lot of these bans that came up that are up for a vote. We're going to report on those. I'm going to be searching around to see if there's local things to cover in California, in Washington state, wherever there might be a marijuana vote. And if you know of one, like if it's a, who knows, there might be a decrim vote in Ohio somewhere. I don't know. If you know the local vote that's happening, just send it to me, radicalrus at gmail.com. And hey, if you want to be the correspondent, that would even be better. <laughs> that's part of what we do here is we, and being a correspondent wouldn't be any big deal. It'd just be you and your cell phone. Uh, preferably if your cell phone can do Skype on a Wi-Fi, but regular old cell phone will do too. And uh, you'll be our live correspondent from these uh, campaign headquarters. We'll get you a pass, get you in. They're usually pretty swanky affairs. You can get some hors d'oeuvres and a drink or two so that's our marijuana election night coverage coming up on tuesday november 8th we're getting it all mapped out for you and uh, we'll keep giving you updates as we find out more coming up after the break here we're going to continue with part three of the mega rant of stoners against legalization 2016 we're going to take a look at the other four states arizona nevada massachusetts and maine that are all states with some sort of mpp backed initiative so we'll take a look at MPP and a look at the stoners against legalization in those states when we return. I'm Radical Russ, live from beautiful legal potland, Oregon, on CannabisRadio.com. We'll be right back after we pay a few of the bills. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. CannabisRadio.com. Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash. And I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. 
educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, is here to tackle the burning issues. Author Catherine Hiller and her great new book, Just Say Yes, Marijuana Memoir. So I love the way you use time in the memoir. I started at the present time, and I described a visit to my dealer. And then I would go backward in time so that every chapter starts a little bit earlier. I do not feel that marijuana has in any way harmed my life. It certainly hasn't led me to the streets. It's led me to a more joyful life experience. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, maybe you're high, too. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has National Resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. This November, four out of the five initiatives on the ballot to legalize marijuana are sponsored by the Marijuana Policy Project, or MPP. In those states, too, there has been a significant base of opposition to the measures from different groups of stoners against legalization. Sometimes that opposition forms out of the groups that attempted to put their version of legalization on the ballot, but failed. It's a corollary of the it's-not-true-legalization phenomenon that sports fans know well as wait till next year. These well-meaning supporters often have decent legalization language to offer, but no political capital or fundraising ability to do anything about it. Somehow these true legalizers will tell you that the passage of the initiative on the ballot now is going to lock in those stifling regulations for eternity. And then, without flinching, they will tell you that you need to vote against that initiative because in two years, their superior true legalization will make the ballot and pass. That's right. If legalization passes... Those activists are too politically impotent to help shape regulations and expand legalization in the future. But if legalization fails, these activists will be more politically powerful than they were this time around in a presidential election with the best turnout for legalization. And they'll easily get their legalization on the ballot and pass it in an 
off-year midterm election with lower turnout after a more conservative legalization had just been defeated at the polls two years prior. Uh Uh-huh. The most extreme stoners against legalization tale this election season comes from Arizona. It has been a nasty battle to get legalization on the ballot in the state where Sheriff Joe Arpaio is still somewhat popular, and the Maricopa County attorney Bill Montgomery is publicly calling a veteran medical marijuana patient an enemy. MPP began its push for legalization in 2015, facing off not against stoners against legalization, but against the existing medical marijuana dispensaries and their I gots mine attitude. Initially, MPP was proposing a legalization measure that set up a recreational system separate from the medical marijuana system. But the dispensary owners didn't like the idea of being stuck with just 10% of the marijuana market, so they pushed back against MPP's measure by presenting a measure of their own. (coughs) The dispensary owners complained that MPP's measure was never going to pass in conservative Arizona because it allowed for too many pot shops and for personal home growing. Arizona dispensaries have had a nice corner on the marijuana market since the 2010 medical marijuana measure passed in Arizona by MPP, established what's called a 25-mile halo around medical marijuana dispensaries. If you live within 25 miles of one, you cannot home grow cannabis. MPP's executive director, Rob Campia, and leader of the dispensary owners, Dr. Gina Berman, fought over their competing initiatives, culminating in an email from Campia to Berman that threatened MPP's spending of $10,000 to, quote, pay people for a thousand hours of time to distribute literature outside of your front door, and the literature will not portray you in a kind way, end quote. Eventually, the two sides worked out their differences when MPP refiled its language to benefit the medical marijuana dispensaries. The home grow provisions would remain, eliminating the 25-mile halo, but the existing medical marijuana dispensaries would have the first shot at the retail adult marijuana licenses. In the meantime, another group had formed called Arizonans for Mindful Regulation. They represented the hopeful entrepreneurs who felt written out by the compromise between MPP and medical marijuana operators, as well as those who felt MPP's language was too restrictive. Led by Jason Medar, this group campaigned for its marijuana initiatives, initiative but lacked the signatures and funding to make it to the ballot. So Medar's group has now transformed into the redundantly named Marijuana Consumers Against Fake Marijuana Legalization. They claim that passing what is now Prop 205 in Arizona will, quote, do more harm than good, end quote, because it doesn't protect marijuana consumers. (coughs) Medar's group does admit that Prop 205 makes it, quote, legal for adults to grow six cannabis plants, end quote. But if someone was caught growing seven plants, they would receive a felony charge. They'll admit that Prop 205, quote, allows adults to legally possess five grams of marijuana concentrates, end quote. But if someone was caught with six grams of concentrates, they would receive a felony charge. Unlike today in Arizona, where if you're caught growing one cannabis plant or in possession of any concentrates, it's a felony. I know, you're shaking your head. Somehow, these people think it is worse for cannabis consumers to have some legal amount of cannabis because then they'd be busted if they had over that amount. In a similar bout of illogic, Medar's group complains that 
the MPP legalization initiative, quote, fails to adequately address firearms protections, DUI protections, parental protections, raid and search protections, loss of rights protections, post-conviction relief, end quote, and still allows your employer to discriminate against your marijuana use. Just like now, except you'll still be able to legally possess marijuana and buy it from pot shops. Another concern they have is that cities and counties would be able to ban nuisance marijuana grows. But this is a place where the medical marijuana 25-mile halo already prevents medical home grows in over 97% of the state, and prohibition prevents recreational grows in 100% of the state. Even in Medar's worst-case scenario of virtually every city and county in Arizona will ban home grows, how does that make the situation worse than it is right now? The remainder of Medar's group's concerns deal with the dreaded oligopolies. Medical marijuana dispensaries would get the recreational licenses, so hopeful pot shop owners are cut out. Arizona will form a new marijuana licensing commission that may regulate paraphernalia at smoke shops. But how are those problems for the marijuana consumer? In neighboring Nevada, there is a lack of an organized Stoners Against Legalization group, but that doesn't mean that legalization there has a smooth path to the ballot. Medical marijuana had been around in Nevada since 2000, but it has only got around to forming a dispensary system in 2013 and just made its first marijuana sale in 2015. Nevada only has a few thousand medical marijuana patients, but their law now includes a reciprocity provision for out-of-state medical marijuana patients. This has resulted in a flood of cardholders from neighboring California and other states who can now go to Las Vegas, Reno, and Lake Tahoe for their vacations and be able to access medical cannabis. In essence, Nevada for the past year has already gone, uh, undergone a dry run for marijuana legalization thanks to the ease with which Californians can get a medical marijuana recommendation. Thus, with an established industry with an established industry to worry about, MPP once again set limits on recreational licenses and allowed only the current medical marijuana operators to apply for them in the first 18 months. MPP also created a home grow right, but then established another 25-mile halo, this time around any recreational pot shop where home growing, home growing is banned. However, Nevada also provided MPP with another entrenched group to buy off to avoid funded opposition, the liquor industry. Liquor has a lot of power in a state full of casinos and laws that allow open containers on the streets. So in Nevada's initiative, unlike any other state legalization, the existing liquor distributors will get first crack at the distribution licenses for cannabis. And in a nod to the tourism officials who don't want streets full of drunk gamblers sullied by the presence of marijuana smokers, Nevada will have the greatest public toking penalty, a misdemeanor with a fine of $600. Now stay tuned and we'll uh, come back after the break and round this out, finish up with some look at Massachusetts and Maine. You can also find the text of these Stoners Against Legalization rants with all the hyperlinks to all the relevant uh, references available on weednews.co. And I encourage you, if you haven't already, to check out weednews.co. It's where most of my writing is going to appear henceforth. 
And uh, I'm a part owner in the company, so I'd appreciate that as well from a financial point of view. Weednews.co is available on Twitter at Weednewsco, on Facebook at Weednewsco. Check out our Facebook page because we're releasing all sorts of great memes and fun pictures and stuff through that medium. We had one that just recently went viral, a picture of two of those little hand scales, you know, little hand dangle scales. It says, if you have weighed cannabis with these, you've been smoking cannabis for a long time, (laughs) which is absolutely true. You'll remember using the nickel. You put the nickel on the scale because a nickel weighs just about a perfect gram there. I'm going to balance out your scale, make sure that it's working okay. These old school tips and tricks that uh, those of us... uh, Baby boomer and older tokers probably taken to the grave with us. Uh, these things that these kids won't have to do when they're older. They just go to the pot shop and it's already pre-weighed for them. I can't do reefer comedy. I'm drunk. Two different animals. Uh, something sticking in the whistle there. I don't know what's going on there. But it's uh, 4.20 time for us to take our safety meeting and uh, try and figure out what's going on with the hard drive here. Don't like all that stuttering. And when we come back, we'll wrap up with Stoners Against Legalization and talk about the rest of the news right here on the Russ Belville Show. Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Boober Way. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Norman. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORMAL. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, SoundCloud, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and Boise State University's 2400 baud modem bulletin board system from 1985. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law. 
10 federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. Continuing our look at the four states where MPP is involved with marijuana legalization this year, we move to Massachusetts. An MPP there also had to deal with a medical marijuana program and an activist group called Bay State Repeal that was working on a more liberal initiative. MPP once again set up a limited number of licenses and guaranteed them to the existing medical marijuana operators until October of 2018. Bay State Repeal was unable to raise the signatures and funds to get their measure on the ballot, but most of its supporters have come around to supporting MPP's initiative, now known as Question 4. In December, the leader of the group, Steve Epstein, told the Boston Globe that he would, quote, use every skill in my power, end quote, to oppose Question 4 because it reeks of, quote, crony capitalism, end quote. However, Epstein has recently been posting on the Bay State Repeal Facebook page with news and polling about Question 4. He doesn't seem to be actively campaigning against it. In comparison to the MPP-backed initiatives in the Southwest, Massachusetts looks like it's getting a pretty good deal. There will be no remaining possession felonies following the passage of Question 4. You can possess 10 ounces at home and the results of your home grow harvest of up to 12 plants per household. There can be marijuana lounges, and there will no longer be implied consent for DUID blood or urine samples. There can be no fewer than one pot shop for every five liquor licenses in a locality unless a locality puts it to a public vote. Best of all, the pot taxes in Massachusetts will be set at a national low 3.75%. Finally, the state of Maine provides the example that the stoners against legalization everywhere should pay heed to, as it is the only state so far where grassroots activists have gone against MPP with a more liberal marijuana legalization and won. Paul McCarrier is an activist who is the head of Legalize Maine. But unlike many who call themselves an activist, McCarrier also had the experience necessary to formulate a winning campaign. He had been a legislative liaison and a registered lobbyist for medical marijuana caregivers in the state who helped author successful bills to improve the medical marijuana program. As MPP continued their push to the ballot, McCarrier had paid signature gatherers collecting for his petition, sometimes leading to public confusion. Legalized Maine's signature gatherers would follow behind MPPs and ask, Hey, do you want to sign a version of what you just signed that would also protect Maine farmers and businesses? McCarrier's group was aiming at regulations that favored growers, such as having unlimited seedlings and having Maine's Department of Agriculture, Conservation, and Forestry control the market oversight. MPP believed that McCarrier's initiative was too liberal, granting possession of 2.5 ounces rather than just one, and figured that Maine's Bureau of Alcoholic Beverages and Lottery should regulate cannabis. By October of 2015, it became obvious to MPP that McCarrier's legalized main group was not going away and had the ability to make the ballot. For the first time ever, MPP dropped its legalization campaign and got behind the grassroots, more liberal initiative. 
In addition to the 2.5 ounces, including concentrates, that Maine's Question 1 will legalize, home growers will be allowed 6 mature plants and 12 immature plants and unlimited seedlings. There will be adult marijuana lounges. Cannabis consumers are protected in employment, housing, and child custody. And commercial marijuana license fees are the cheapest in the country. In every marijuana election since 2010, there have always been stoners against legalization who urge you to vote against the initiative that made the ballot. In 2010, it was California's Prop 19, whose pot-smoking opponents claimed it was setting up a monopoly in Oakland and that better legalization would come along in 2012. It failed, and another legalization vote was delayed for six years. In 2012, it was Washington's I-502 opponents who wished they had a better legalization to vote for, like the Measure 80 that was on Oregon's ballot. The more conservative legalization passed in the Pacific Northwest with 55% of the vote, while the more liberal one failed with just 46%. In 2014, it was Oregon's Measure 80 proponents who didn't like the Measure 91 that made the ballot because it was too restrictive. The more conservative legalization passed with a record 56% of the vote, 10 points better than the last election, even though Measure 80 was during a presidential election with more liberal turnout and Measure 91 was during a midterm election with more conservative turnout. In 2015, it was Ohio's Issue 3 opponents who balked at the constitutional capture of the grow market for 10 wealthy investors in the initiative. Faint-hearted support and outright opposition from many marijuana reform groups helped lead Issue 3 to the greatest defeat of a marijuana initiative since the 1980s. The result was MPP retreating from legalization to a limited medical marijuana initiative which they then dropped when the legislature passed their own even more limited medical marijuana law. And with that angle of support for legalization diminished, it may be another California-like six or more years before Ohio tries legalization again. So in 2016, as you consider your vote for legalization, remember that history shows failed legalization attempts don't always get a revote in the next election, and when they do, it is for something more conservative than what just failed. Oh boy, folks, <clears throat> I am running out of voice again. Tanya, I'm only running about 80% today. Got some more rest, got some more food in me. I'm, I'm feeling better than earlier this week by a mile. Whew. All right, we'll be right back after these messages. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. 
While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Washington, it has passed. Uh, the, uh, the news organizations are calling it. Tell everybody in the red states how great legal weed is. Yeah, looking forward to legal weed here in the state of Oregon. It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Okay, maybe you're high too. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel One on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 32 after the hour. And I was just thinking about that story in the Oregonian. It's talking about the hemp farmers here in the state. We've got 77 of them that are licensed. And how they're finding uh, that... CBD oil is is uh, far more profitable for them than growing the hemp for food, fuel, or fiber. And this is just kind of ironic to me because for so long, for so long, the hemp people have tried to keep the marijuana people at a distance. For so long, they've in their in their public relations, you know, they don't want to have anything to do with legalization votes, decrim votes, anything like they want to pretend hemp is a completely separate plant that has no tie whatsoever to marijuana and all the drug users out there. It's a completely separate, it's just industrial thing. For so long, that has been the rallying cry of the, of the hempsters, right? Food, fuel, and fiber. So now that we get hemp grown, it's something like 1,600 acres that they got going in Oregon now. Now that we've got hemp growing, these hemp farmers are finding, well, wait a minute, there's, there's a lot more money in that uh, more marijuana side of hemp. And that's where that CBD oil is coming in, right? Because, and this is where it gets weird because with the CBD oil thing is that when you're growing industrial hemp, for it to be hemp, it has to be less than 0.3% THC. So if you, if you grow a high CBD hemp plant with less than... 0.3% THC and you process that and you get the oil out of it then you're getting that low THC CBD oil 
that is legalized in what, like 16 states now, mostly those southern states for the kids to use uh, as medicine. But then CBD is not necessarily looked at as a hemp product. And this is where it's getting kind of a legal gray area because the way that, see, the marijuana laws and the hemp laws are kind of different. And the way the hemp laws are written is that you can, you can have the processed products of industrial hemp. You can have a hemp t-shirt. You can have hemp lotion. You think Dr. Bronner's soaps, right? Hemp oil soaps and hemp oil and hemp seed. And so you can have all of these things so long as, so long as it's still below 0.3% THC. But when those hemp laws were written, nobody was talking about CBD. Nobody was thinking about CBD. So they, they kind of left this like gray area, this, this, this loophole that's like, well, okay, so we grew these industrial hemp plants and we processed them into an oil like hemp seed oil, like what you get in the lotions or the soaps, just so happens to have a lot of this CBD in it. So shouldn't that be a hemp product that is then legal to ship across the United States just like you can Dr. Bronner's soap? Well, that's what some people are trying to say. On the other hand, and there's always the on the other hand, the DEA doesn't look so kindly upon cannabidiol. It looks at it as a controlled substance. It's, it's on the list. It's a drug. So this is interesting how this is beginning to develop. And I also find it, like I said, I find it ironic because for so long, the, the, the vision of the hempsters was once we got hemp legalized, we'd have these great fields of hemp for fiber and for all these other uh, products. But if there's more money to be made into converting it into CBD oil, that's not necessarily the same kind of product that, you know, hemp product that is going to allow you to uh, you know, the processing and harvesting is going to allow you to get the other uses out of it. So we have this economic kind of disruption of medical hemp affecting what could be the future of this industrial hemp. So that's interesting. I think really where the industrial hemp is going to take off is in that battery technology. Uh, I see that, you know, there's a lot of people that talk about the hemp herds and the, and the you know, hemp crete and stuff. And I think there's some, some usage available for that. But man, the ability to get the storage power for batteries at one one thousandth of production cost, I think that's uh, pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. So um, the hemp thing... I can't wait to see what happens with it. Uh, Michael in our chat room is, is one of these licensed growers. So I'm just trying to catch up on the chat room to see what's going on. And he says, uh, the medical people were slow to figure out the hemp CBD thing. True industrial hemp researchers have long recognized the presence of CBD in hemp. Yeah. And, and it's going to be interesting how we're going to have to rewrite our laws now with this new awareness of CBD and, you know there's other cannabinoids on deck, right? <laughs> there's CBN and CBG and THCV and TH, all these other ones that they're talking about too that they may start trying to get out of hemp. It's just a, a fascinating development to me uh, in this uh, movement as we continue to try to rec- you know, end this stupid prohibition. And, and I, one thing I do like about the CBD oil thing and, and processing the hemp for a medical use is it brings us kind of back together as all being about the plant, right? And 
not separating us into these medical, religious, hemp, and recreational camps. I mean, we all have those. That's the way I kind of like, kind of look at it as a four square of cannabis people is the medical, the spiritual, the industrial, and the recreational. And, and I guess, I guess to me, it's not a four square because to me, it's more of the medical, spiritual, and industrial are something that all exist within the larger scope of the recreational. That's where I think, I think we've done ourselves a kind of a disservice in our movement is in feeling like these are separate camps and recreational is one that's separate from these others. When really recreational is kind of a misnomer. It's not a separate use. It is the overall encapsul encapsulating uh, use, right? Personal use. That's the, the phrase we're starting to use more now. Personal use, right? If I'm fighting, this, it, it goes back to when medical marijuana was first happening, right? And, and you'd have these opponents that would try to get you into this uh, uh, kind of pissing match, I guess, over, uh, all right, well, oh, you, so you support uh, medical marijuana. You only support medical marijuana because you really just want it legalized. You, you're, just want, you're just the camel's nose under, under the tent. This is just the Trojan horse. You just want to legalize. That's the only reason you're supporting medical marijuana. I always thought it was such a dumb argument, right? Because I have this encapsulated view. I have this overall view because my fight is the fight for anybody to use pot for whatever the hell reason they want to. So if I think that anyone 21 and older should be able to use pot, how could I then not support the right of someone who's sick to use pot? Those people, when they said, oh, you're, you're a legalizer, that's the only reason you support medical marijuana, I'd say, no, I'm a, le- I'm a legalizer, and that's the reason I support medical marijuana. It's, it's, it's not because I'm using medical to get to legal. It's because I believe in all people's right to use it, so how could I not support some people's right to use it? I guess I could be one of those stoner against legalization types. By God, if no one can use, if not everybody can use it, then no one should use it. But no. Those of us on the so-called recreational side, we acceded to all of the medical marijuana uh, needs. We took our place in the back of the bus. We voted for all of these medical marijuana laws. And some of us were the consumers that were supporting these places. So it gets, uh, it gets frustrating again. So that when we have, we have always been there to support every medical marijuana law. Every medical marijuana law there was, even when those laws wouldn't directly help us, knowing that in the future, that as medical marijuana laws rolled out across the country and more people became comfortable with the idea of a medical aspect to cannabis, it was our long-term investment, you might say. If you were voting on medical marijuana in Oregon in 1998 and you're just a toker, it was maybe like a long-term investment, like, yeah, This doesn't help me right now, but by getting this passed in the future, eventually enough minds will change that we get legalization. And and indeed, that's kind of what happened. So you can look at it as as that investment. And so it gets frustrating when you've made that investment and the people that have benefited from your investment, the medical marijuana patients and providers, then ally to go against you finally claiming the result of your investment. 
It's like, it's like, wait a minute, we were there voting for all the medical stuff when you needed us. And believe me, you needed us because there's a lot more of us than you. Whole lot more recreational consumers than there are medical consumers. These things wouldn't pass without not just recreational consumer support, but with non-toker support too. So to have that, uh, to have that then betrayal when it comes around to passing legalization, because some people got their, they got theirs and then uh, don't want to lose, don't want to lose out on anything for fear. And it's something Jack Harrow warned about. Chris Conrad has told me this numerous times. That he initially opposed Prop 215 in California because he worried about the possibility that once you legalized marijuana for a, a subset of people, they become an interest group that fights to protect its own. And, and sure enough, he was right. Indeed, medical marijuana for 20 years now has separated us into these interest groups. And, and I want to see legalization go on to bring us more together and, and, and to, to, again, make it like, oh, you need medical marijuana, then fine, have it. You don't have to go see a doctor. You don't have to get a recommendation. I eventually want to see the, the recreational world at a point like alcohol is. We don't have limits on how much alcohol we can buy. The only reason we have medical marijuana at this point in states like Oregon and Washington is because we have to give the patients greater limits than we give the recreational consumers. Why? Why do we have to restrict recreation? Well, because there's still prohibition around the rest of the country. You don't want too many of the people here flooding the market. Well, okay. But eventually, shouldn't we get to a point where we don't put limits on the recreational consumers? Then if you're medical and you need 12 pounds of pot to make your cannabis oil for your cancer... Fine, you don't have to get any special card or pay any special fee or follow any special rules. That's eventually where this needs to go. It needs to go to the increasing of recreational consumers' rights to the point where medical marijuana is unnecessary. Give everyone the right to enough marijuana and the use of it in enough places and the protection from employment and housing and child custody and organ transplant and gun rights and all that discrimination Give that to all the cannabis consumers, and then the patients are taken care of. But continuing to try to eke out these separate worlds, these artificially separate worlds that maintain artificial limits on personal use compared to medical use is untenable. It, we're going to see the end of it. I hope sooner rather than later. All right, we got to take a break. We come back, we'll close things up here with what I'm told is the last live Friday Stoner Jesus Night episode. He's going to move, Stoner Jesus is going to move live on Friday mornings. So I don't know how that affects, it's going to be Wake and Bake with Stoner Jesus on Fridays, I'm told. So I guess listen tonight and maybe he'll tell you more because I don't know all the details. We're back just in a couple minutes. Stick around. Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him, think that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals, or at least they... Pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. Day. Just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody. 49 after the hour. And uh, during the break, I was checking up on my Skype messages. I got a Skype message from someone who says, uh, The Rush Belleville Show wants kids to go to jail for over an ounce of marijuana. <laughs> another one of these no on prop 64 people who get some meme on facebook they don't bother to read the actual legislation because oh my god it's 62 pages nobody could ever read 62 pages and oh for god's sake 62 whole pages of reading i I could never make it through it give me a break it's like double spaced even (laughs) jesus but yeah, these are the people that never read the damn thing. And then they get something from their friend on Facebook who got it from their dispensary, who got it from their grower, who got it from somebody who's got a financial interest in making sure California remains prohibition. So let me just run it down for you. If you happen to be listening on exactly where we're at now and then what happens after we pass Prop 64 in California. Because the important part here, I think everybody could agree, is that we want things to be better and we don't want things to be worse. 
That, that, I, can we agree on that? We want things to be better. We don't want things to be worse. Okay, so let's start with possession of less than an ounce. Which the, the people that are the no on Prop 64 go, hey, we already have decrim. We already have decrim, man. Possession possession's only a ticket. Okay, so right now you're admitting possession of less than an ounce in California currently is a ticket. And that's a hundred bucks. And not everybody has just a hundred bucks sitting on them, you know, able to use it anytime they like. So could be problematic for some people, but a hundred dollar ticket right now. After the Adult Use of Marijuana Act passes, after Prop 64 passes, possession of less than an ounce is legal. Oh, well, that, that actually sounds like it's better, doesn't it? Currently, if you possess less than eight grams of concentrate, that is a penalty that is a misdemeanor, possibility of one year in jail, $500 fine, or both. After Prop 64 passes, possession of less than eight grams of concentrate is legal. Well, gee, legal sounds better than a one-year $500 misdemeanor, doesn't it? Transporting less than an ounce. Remember, possession is the ticket, but transporting it, trying to give it to someone else, that's a $100 misdemeanor right now. But under Prop 64, that becomes legal. Legal sounds better, doesn't it? Give away less than an ounce or eight grams. Sharing with other people after you transported it. $100 misdemeanor. After Prop 64, legal. Hmm. Gee, just sounds better to me. Now, home growing. Home growing one cannabis plant in the state of California right now is a felony. 16 months, two to three years in prison. Home growing less than six cannabis plants, 16 months, two to three year felony. Harvesting more than an ounce and keeping that off your harvest. Felony, 16 months, two to three years. After Prop 64, those become, say it with me, people, legal. Hmm. I don't know about you, but legal sounds better than felony to me. That's weird. All right. Now we get to one here. Smoking where tobacco is banned. You're smoking pot where tobacco is banned. Right now, that's a $100 ticket. After Prop 64 passes, oh, no, that becomes a $250 ticket. That is worse. Oh, no, that is worse. Sure, we can possess an ounce of cannabis, less than eight grams of concentrate, transport it, give it away, home grow less than six plants, and harvest more than the ounce from those six plants and keep it. That'll all be legal, but... The public smoking ticket goes up 150 bucks. All right, we'll come back to that one. Public smoking or underage use. Now, this would be places where public smoke, where tobacco is not banned. This is just open public smoking. Well, currently, that's a $100 ticket. If you're underage and you're using, you're a minor and you're using, that's currently a $100 ticket. And after Prop 64 passes, that is still a $100 ticket. So that didn't get any worse. Now, what if, what if you're less than 21, but you're over 18? Like if you're 18, 19, or 20, and if you're growing less than six plants right now in California, that's a felony, 16 months, two to three years. After Prop 64, that becomes a $100 ticket. Again, this is under 21, but you're still an adult. 18 to 20 becomes a ticket for growing less than six plants. No jail, no criminal record. 
What if you're 18 to 24, 18 to 20, and they catch you with less than four grams of concentrate? That's one year, $500 misdemeanor. After Prop 64, $100 ticket. If you're 18 to 20. Offenses by minors, age 18, less than 18. So the same penalties if you're a juvenile, everything from tickets all the way to felonies, those, everything we just discussed, everything we just discussed applies to kids under age 18, just the same as it does to adults, misdemeanors, felonies. After Prop 64, somebody under age 18 gets counseling, community service, and drug education. No misdemeanors, no felonies. Now, currently, if you grow too many plants, let's say you're 18 and older and you grow more than six plants, currently that's a felony, 16 months to two to three years. After Prop 64, growing too many plants becomes a misdemeanor, six months, $500 fine. I don't know about you, misdemeanor sounds better than felony to me. If you possess too much cannabis, more than an ounce, currently six months, $500 fine misdemeanor. After Prop 64, the same. Currently, if you possess more than 8 grams of concentrate, if you're over 21, or 4 grams of concentrate, if you're 18 to 20, currently, one year, $500, misdemeanor. After Prop 64, six months, $500. So, slightly better. If you transport or give away more than an ounce, currently, a 2, 3, or 4-year felony becomes six-month, $500 fine misdemeanor. Sounds better to me. Illegal sales of marijuana. You don't, you're not a pot shop and they catch you selling. Currently, two, three, or four-year felony drops down to six-month, $500 fine misdemeanor. Sounds better to me. Possession with intent to sell. Currently, 16-month, two- or three-year felony drops to six-month, $500 fine misdemeanor. Sounds better to me. And then even these, these, these crimes that would be for third or aggravated type of counts those go from being felonies to being what they call wobblers where the uh, the prosecuting attorney can determine based on the the circumstances whether or not that should rise to the level of misdemeanor or to a felony sales to minors still remains a three to seven year felony so that stays the same so of all of these aspects of prop 64 comparing now to after the only thing that gets worse is the ticket for smoking where tobacco is banned. So after Prop 64 passes, please look for those little circle slash signs with the cigarettes and don't smoke there. Other than that, everything gets better for you. Quit coming at me in these chat rooms and these message machines with these stupid, easily debunked scares about Prop 64. Well, everyone, thanks for joining us here, and thanks for your patience this week as I overcame some illness. We'll be better next week, starting on Tuesday, because Monday is Labor Day. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it.
Miracles.